0: Gia Grieve, good evening, and you're very welcome to The Leap of Faith. In a moment, we'll hear from two of the leading actors in the crowdfunded television phenomenon, The Chosen, which recreates the life of Jesus from the point of view of his disciples. Do not be anxious about your life. Whatever you wish that
1: others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets.
0: But first, Islam and Ireland was last month's conference at the Royal Irish Academy in Dublin. The two-day event was co-organised with the Dublin City Interfaith Forum and the Newman Centre for the Study of Religions at University College Dublin. And its goal was to improve the understanding of the challenges faced by Irish Muslims and of their unique experiences of living in both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Unlike many other academic conferences, which offer a platform only to scholars, the second day of the forum invited many different members of the Muslim community in Ireland to share their everyday experiences with others and to offer insights and advice to each other as well as to the general audience. I'm delighted to be joined this evening by two of the conference's contributors, Famida Naheen, Ireland's first female Muslim to work with Angarda Shikhona, and Dr. Rizwan Khan, who's consultant paediatrician at the University Maternity Hospital Limerick and also chairman of the Kerry Islamic Outreach Centre in Tralee. You're both very welcome to The Leap of Faith. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you very much. For me, Nahid, would you tell us what brought you to Ireland and what it was like as a Muslim <coughs> woman moving to this country 14 years ago, I believe?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm living in Cork uh, about 14 uh, years ago. I landed in Cork um, on the north side of the Cork city and still I'm living there. The plan was initially that, you know, um, originally I'm from Pakistan um, and one of the urban city of Pakistan, that is Lahore, Punjab. Um, I was studying there, but my plan was to do some further research and studies uh, and just look for any of the recognized uh, institute in, in Europe. Um, initially my plan was to go to UK but at that time the things were not uh, so good uh, in UK in terms of visas and everything so I just turned up in in Ireland, just just by luck, uh, somebody recommended me. Oh, look! Uh, have you seen um, Ireland is also an English speaking country, and it has a very good reputation in terms of uh, academia, you know, research, and uh, so. Being a being a female, you know, it's it's a safe country as well. So I said, okay, uh, just let's let's try. And I applied for the visa, and I came to University College Cork to do my, my research from there, and now I'm Irish
0: nationalized citizen. And Rizwan, you, you two are originally from Pakistan.
3: That's right. I'm from Pakistan as well. Um, I came after graduation, so I came to Ireland in 99, so that's 23 years now. I have three kids, two born here and one born in England when I was doing my fellowship in Cambridge uh, in 2010. So Ireland and Pakistan, uh, medical point of view, has a relationship probably since... 80s, uh, if not long, so, like, that's a very, very historic relationship, like, the doctors from Pakistan used to come here, uh, and UK, obviously, as well, because of an English-speaking country. Our whole curriculum has been in English in Pakistan as well, regardless of where are you from. I'm from Karachi, the other, uh, city, and, uh, wherever you're, you're studying in Pakistan. Um, uh, so my older brother, who's four years older than me, uh, was training in Galway at that stage. And he's now a consultant in UK, but uh, I had a chance to stay in UK when I finished my fellowship. But me, my wife, and children uh, always decided that, like, uh, we call Ireland our home. Uh, so uh, that's that's probably a brief story for my side.
0: <laughs> and and you have five children, don't you, me Yeah, age between four and thirteen yeah. for for both for both of you. Has it been an issue? not being able to send your children to schools with a specifically Muslim ethos. So for me, uh, the thing is, uh, the children,
2: um, the schools they go to, um, they are very much uh, multicultural schools. So for them, um, the interfaith or keeping your faith and identity along with your own uh, other kind of values. Uh, that's not contradicting, uh, and especially in Ireland, you know, Ireland is changing, and you have um uh, that sense of you know um, change, uh, which in the schools, in the communities, and uh, for them, I know the language is is different because you know our faith language, usually all the Muslims, they they, they read Quran in Arabic. For them, they don't have that facilities in schools uh, to learn the Arabic, but this is something you know we do at home. Uh, but they have other uh, Muslim friends. They have Irish friends, like Christian friends, and it's very important for them. Like you know, we teach them that um, Islam is not a religion, but there is always you know the intersectionality between Islam and Christianity and Islam and other religions, uh, and they all understand it. That you know. Uh, basically, the humanism uh, or humanity is something supreme, and which really uh, connects all the religions together. And especially in this global world, um, being a global citizen, this is something you know uh, which also uh, which Islam teaches as well as you know. I have this same vision at my home while I'm teaching to my children.
0: Rizwan, as chairman of the Kerry Islamic Outreach Centre in Tralee, what are your goals? What what do you hope to accomplish with that work? Yeah.
3: So in 20 20- 12, when I moved back to Ireland, uh, to Tralee, basically, uh, same year, uh, few of the friends, um, some doctors, some non doctors as well, we planned to start an organization with three basic, uh, principles building bridges, clearing misconception, and promoting integration. And, and how can you do that? Basically, we are trying to reach out. It's called Outreach Society. So we have a very strong, uh, advocate principle that Muslims should outreach first, rather than Muslims are not outreaching. And that's coming back to the faith. Because I don't know about other faiths, but it is mandatory for a Muslim that his neighbors, seven doors on the right and seven doors on the left, would be looked after by a Muslim. That's part of our faith. And Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, have said it that like, somebody is not a Muslim whose neighbors are not looked after. I'm just paraphrasing that. And there is no word of faith used in it, so that is something which is obligatory on us vast majority maybe not doing it, but like still somebody has to come out and do that and this is what when when we started that, that was something fairly new, and you know carry countryside, people were not really known, but like the response we got within a couple of months to a couple of years. Is astonishing, like now everybody knows us, everybody talk about the Islamic faith in much more better way because on a regular basis, now eight years in a row, uh, we are doing uh, Islamic cultural exhibition in the local uh, hotels as well. And uh, people are coming there, we are on the streets, uh, we, we collaborate basically, uh, Siwam, a lot with the local groups. So Tidy Town Campaign, so people who are cleaning the streets on Thursdays, you join them. Uh, every third month there is a coastline cleaning going on so you go and clean the beaches with your kids and other friends as a wider community so the community sense was developed in that way and it has been widely portrayed on the media so everybody uh appreciate that from the wider community so we take a first step and we always felt that we take one step towards the wider community and the wider community took two steps toward us you know
0: for me the. What led you to become involved with Angarda Shekhona?
2: So the thing is, you know, um, I was working with the uh, Diversity Integration Unit Cork and my role was to work, specifically work in the Diversity Unit. And when I worked with them, it was... uh because i I saw the role of the organization as a community organization wherein Gara Shikana has all that responsibilities to look after the shared needs of the communities and being uh, myself as a person from a diverse group as a female, as a Muslim as a mother, um of course you know uh, being migrant uh, you are having uh, that uh, uh, socioeconomic uh, economic Um So, with all that, you know, I had the same thing in my mind. Uh, where when I when I joined that organization, it was um, the sense uh, of the same, you know, the, the same power of faith. Uh, that the the integrated approach uh, that myself as an individual, my skills uh, and my community sense they all work together. And this is the same sense uh, which we get it from, as Dr. Um, uh, Doctor Rizwan was mentioning, about the social justice, about the social change, the concept of um, serving the community, like the Prophet and for us, uh, the best among of us are those who are best to their communities, who are best to their, their families.
0: It's well known that uh, the Islamic faith gives a supportive structure to home and family life. But does it help you in this um, very far-reaching, very involved work? It's very demanding. I know that the um, injunction to create a tight-knit community and to serve your community comes from the Quran. But are there are there other resources in your faith that you draw on in an t- everyday way in doing this work?
2: Yeah. I link whatever the resources I have, you know, at home, my own experience, especially my lived experience. uh, Woman as as a mother uh, and my children, of course, you know, they're all uh, uh, the 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 resources for me. And the biggest resource is the Quran, the holy book Quran. I read it every day, and I I I teach to my children the translation of the of the book, and tell them like you know this
0: is the resource book. Could could you could you give us an example of one of the Texts from the Quran that would help, say, in facing a difficult situation in work.
2: Yeah, so there's an ayat of Quran, um, al Usri Yusra." Of course, there's um, easiness with every difficulty. So this is the, this is the um, translation of that verse of Quran. It's been like whenever you are in the times of bad uh, circumstances, you are facing challenges, day to day challenges, or you are in in a situation where you think like, you know, life is of no purpose. Mm -hmm. Just feel it that uh, there is a solution uh, for that and just wait, be patient. And -hmm. of course, you know, you at the end of the day, uh, you will feel that life is coming back to you and you are now um, you will feel powerful uh, rather than powerless uh but but be uh, you know be patient but the next thing is that you know you have to do certain things to that you know it's not only about the prayers you have must have some actions to do even their tiny actions even your 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 thought uh, that i have to change my life or i have to come out of these circumstances i have to challenge you know where i am and uh not taking big leaps rather than you know with this with the small tiny efforts
3: uh you can do it as for me the I nice, rightly said in amala Suryasra, that with every hardship come ease they both come and the typical Irish saying is could have been worse <laughs> so what does that mean that means that we are always looking towards positive optimism about that
0: sadly Islamophobia is is very real um have you encountered it and how does it make you feel
3: yeah, I mean, like, I have to say that uh, I'm personally, like, on a personal level, I haven't, I haven't uh, really encountered any Islamophobia. What I've i seen, like, small comments, like, like coming on the information stall in town. I remember somebody came and said, like, uh, what are you trying to achieve here? And I was telling that person that, oh, we are a uh, Islamic outreach, doing tiny town campaign, and we are your neighbor, things like that. And literally within, like, 10 seconds, his, his, his partner came, oh, Dr. Khan, how are you, with a small buggy. And this guy was totally three sixty degree changed from his tone to, oh, oh, you are the one who look after my patient, yeah, baby. Like, yeah, I said, yeah, that's that way. And um, I mean, uh, yes, um, I, I, I always say I am a firm believer that, like, until the Muslims are not going to be active themselves, outreaching it, uh, it is a tough situation because media is in every sense in on the phone in every children, teenager, middle age, older age people, and they do make their. Uh, perception through the media, not from uh, anybody else, because there is nobody. Anybody else is telling them. So yes, uh, there's a vacuum there where the Muslims need to come out, and they need to work on that uh, themselves. I always say that, like I, uh, Irish Muslim community, Muslim community cannot be comparable with any other Muslim community, like UK, France, Belgium. There's a very historic difference between that. The Muslim community came to Ireland are highly ca- uh, qualified and educated. Uh, and the next generations are going to be further. So I always say the future of Irish Muslim community is very positive and very uh, and very bright because they will become a very active force in driving the Irish economy, Irish country uh, by working in the various levels, you know.
0: Fahmida Nahin and Dr. Rizwan Khan, thank you very much for joining us on The Leap of Faith.
3: Thank you very much for thank- inviting us as well. Thank, thank you. you
0: very much. And now we're joined on the line from the United States by two of the stars of The Chosen, a new crowdfunded television series depicting the life of Jesus through the eyes of the people who met him. Giovanni Cairo plays Thaddeus and Lara Silva plays Eden. You're both very welcome to The Leap of Faith.
4: Ah, oh, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you Appreciate so
0: much. It. So, Thank first you. of all, the chosen—I believe it's crowdfunded. That's amazing, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it it's, is. it's it's pretty crazy to to see where it's come since the the first season and uh, just see the support that we have through uh, throughout the world. It's pretty special.
0: I believe season one was. Um, the number one highest crowdfunded entertainment project of all time, raising ten million dollars from over nineteen thousand people.
5: Yes, that was mind blowing because we when we started off we didn't know what was gonna happen. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to finish season one. Now here we are, season three, and it's been incredible and just I mean the the support and love has really truly been multiplying. <laughs>
0: There've been lots of films and TV series about the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Tell us how the chosen is is unique. What's what's distinctive about it?
4: Yeah, I think the big thing that people take from it is the relatability factor. Um mm. You, you can really see yourself and, and pieces of yourself in each one of these characters. And, uh, you know, even though we might not be going through the exact obstacles, the, the human emotions uh, that each character goes through, we, we all have struggles and and uh, moments of joy that these characters experience. So I think that's been pretty special for people to to relate to.
0: Can you tell us, yeah, Lara, maybe you'd go first. Would you tell us more about that? Like what, what in your character do you um, particularly identify with?
5: So with playing, getting to play Eden, um, she's the wife of Simon Peter. And really the only thing we knew about Eden, um, I don't even think she had a name in scripture. We just knew that. Jesus heals his mother-in-law, which leads us to know, okay, well, yes, I guess, you know, Simon Peter was married then. So to get to bring a character to life that does not have much in the, in the Bible and to be able to tell her story in, in the way that really the way that I can, the only way that I can is just by bringing justice to her, um, by bringing my own, truth and my own experiences and what makes me Lada, um I'm able to bring into Eden. And that's been
0: really, really special, especially as an actor. It's just a gift. Giovanni, you play Thaddeus and I believe you initially auditioned for a different part, but you really inhabit this one. Do you see any similarities between yourself and the character? Um,
4: yeah, yeah. I- uh, absolutely, uh, it's it's funny, yeah. Because I auditioned for Simon and Andrew in the beginning, uh, and when Dallas came to offer me the role of Thaddeus, I had never heard from him of him before. So I, I asked Dallas, I was like, "Did you just make up a disciple? I don't think you're allowed <laughs> to do that, man." Um, but, in the apostle, even he, an, an apostle, exactly. Mm-hmm. But he's only mentioned a handful of times in scripture, so. Um, but I was so gracious cause our writers, Dallas, Ryan, and Tyler, they do such a good job by mapping out each character so uniquely. So I knew pretty quickly from the writing that, um, that Thaddeus was, was someone who had a heart on his sleeve. A uh, peacemaker really wanted everyone to be on the same page. And I relate to that a lot in my life cause, uh, you know, my, my parents taught me pretty early on to lead with your heart and, uh, to always show kindness toward people, um, He's definitely more patient than I am. I come from an <laughs> Italian American family, so sometimes uh, you know obviously we talk with our hands and we express our emotions pretty frequently. so um, but I'm grateful he has taught me patience and uh, and so much more about uh, connecting with with the ones I love and and connecting more with people that i I just meet. so i'm I'm very grateful for that.
0: Can you tell us about your own relationship to to matters of faith? And whether whether it's informed how you play the role and whether it's been impacted by working on the series.
4: Yeah. Um I know for me personally, I, I always I grew up Catholic, um, but I never really felt like I had a strong relationship uh with my faith. Um but I, I definitely know through working on this show I, it's different for everybody, but for me personally, it's—I uh, I can't help but say—it's—it's it's really strengthened my relationships in my life, and um, yeah, it's—it's it's hard to put into words.
0: Yeah, is it weird seeing somebody acting the part of Jesus? Does that have an impact on you, like you're actually encountering Jesus in a in a different way, in a new way?
4: Yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, for me, uh, Jonathan does such an amazing job by by doing Jesus justice. I think he was really pretty much born to do this.
5: Absolutely. When you're just in his presence, honestly, whether he's in character or not in character, um, he just, I, 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 the way I describe it is Jonathan is just an anointed person in general. He just is so... Just he's he's just so kind, and um, there's something in his eyes that you look at him and you just want to cry <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the scenes there's a specific scene that I can think of that, that uh Jonathan and I had together from season one, and it was when he approaches Eden in their home, and her mother is very sick. She's not doing well. And Jesus has had, has just called Simon to follow him. And so Jesus comes to Eden to tell her, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to take Simon and leave you here, you know, basically alone. And so he then tells her, um, that he sees her and, uh, that meant everything to me just on set and then also in my real life like i realized like wow he does you know jesus does see me he does elevate women and he sees us just as important as uh as you know the the disciples that he's asked to follow
0: well laura let's hear that scene now where you play eden and jonathan rumi plays jesus i
1: told simon to make sacrifices and leave things behind in order to follow me you are one flesh with Simon. He cannot make sacrifices that are not also yours. You have a role to play in all of this. Do I? You will know in time. <laughs> I can't make everything about this easier for you.
5: That wouldn't be our people's way.
1: <laughs> no, it has not been. Nor will it continue to be. But I see you. You understand? I know it is not easy to be at home when your husband is out doing all of this. Even when you are excited about it and proud of him. So, I wouldn't ask you to do this without taking care of a few things. You mean... Plus, normal Simon is difficult enough. You think I want to travel with a worried Simon?
0: (laughs) No. No, I do not. (laughs) And, Lara, I believe that your, your mum was raised Catholic. Um, but that you yourself uh, didn't didn't grow up in, in church or, or have that sort of tradition. Has making this series um, altered your sense of belonging faith-wise?
5: Absolutely. It has changed me. It's changed my life. It's changed the trajectory of everything that I thought that I wanted to, to do or how I wanted to live my life. And when I realized that... Um, my calling and my gift that I wanted to be an actor and to store, you know, to be a storyteller, just, it didn't, I almost feel like it didn't uh, birth in me until I allowed Jesus into my life and where he spoke to me. And it's like, I clearly, as I was, um, as I found my faith later in life, I, it's like, I heard him say like, you know, I, I felt like I can't, I can't do this without him. I thought,
0: (laughs) Episodes of The Chosen have been watched 400 million times and counting. <laughs> how does it make you feel to be part of something that's captured the interest of so many people all over the world? Yeah,
4: that's it's it's humbling. Like I think you know, when Lada said in the very beginning, you know, we we did the first four episodes in season one, and we just thought it might be this little this little uh, project, this little engine that could, and uh, to see how it's affected so many people. Um, me personally, I I can remember a scene from season one that really, you know, stands out to me to where, uh, some of the disciples were at a wedding and we see Jesus, uh, kind of connecting with the younger generation. And, uh, Simon asks me at the table, how I met Jesus. And, uh, you know, I just, I tell him how special of a moment it was for me and that, uh, the The quote that I give him is, uh, he said he was building a kingdom, a fortress stronger than stone, and I believed him. And just believing in what he was about to spread. So uh, seeing that kind of message affect so many people is, uh, it's mind-blowing.
0: Giovanni, that's great. Let's hear from that scene now.
1: I'm going to get more wine. (laughs) Get (laughs) two. I don't even know why I'm here. It's usually the students that choose the rabbi, not the other way around. And I'm not even a student. Neither was I. Thaddeus introduced me to him. How did you meet? On a uh, construction job in Beseda.
4: He hasn't exactly been picking the best and brightest students.
1: <laughs> Wait, he works? Well, until recently. He's not a professional rabbi. Yeah, but I thought he has no home and no job. No permanent home. He's a stonemason. Like you.
4: A craftsman. He taught as well. He asked me to follow him. He said he was building a kingdom. A fortress stronger than stone. I believed him.
0: <laughs> Giovanni Cairo and Lara Silva... Actors who play Thaddeus and Eden respectively in The Chosen, thank you very much for joining us on the Leap of Faith. Oh, thank you. Thank you, so you much guys for so much. Us. It's,
4: yeah, it's been great talking with you all.
0: And that's all we have time for this week. Thank you for listening. The Leap of Faith is presented by Siobhan Garragan. The researcher is Sinead Kennedy. The broadcast coordinator is Jarlath Holland, and the producer is Sheila O'Callaghan.